Welcome to the show. If you're new here, hello, hello. I'm Kate. I'm your host. If you've been listening for a while, welcome back. I recently changed my podcast hosting platform and I can now see where all my listeners are coming from. I had no idea before. And Canada, I'm calling you out, all you Canadian listeners. I had no idea you were even there and you happen to be my second largest listening group after the USA. But no one had left me any reviews in iTunes in Canada. So I had no idea you even were listening up there. So welcome Canadians. Nice to have you. And Germany, there's a giant bunch of you in Germany, which was a surprise as well. So hello, hello. And then the rest of you are made up from America being the primary audience, Great Britain, Australia, and a few New Zealanders to throw in there. So that's been exciting for me to see where you're all listening from. But that is beside the point. Today we're talking about imposter syndrome. Have you had it? Have you had those moments in life where you think, oh my gosh, I'm a total fraud and pretty soon someone else is going to work this out? I've been there. I've had it. More than once, I might add. So today I want to talk you through what imposter syndrome is, who gets it, and help you recognize that if you've been prone to this, you're not alone. What's the downside to imposter syndrome? And then, of course, what we can do to start overcoming this feeling of being a fraud. I'm all about the action. I've got plenty of points for you to take back and make real in your life. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. So let's start with what is imposter syndrome? Have you ever heard that term? I know I hadn't until a few years back. I can't remember exactly when I first heard it. But when I did, I was like, oh, such relief. I'm not the only person who has felt like a complete and utter fake. Imposter syndrome is when you feel like a fake or a fraud or an imposter when in fact you're not. It's when you often don't recognize how good you are and there's that gap between what you can see on the outside world and what your inside is telling you you deserve or are capable of. So it's despite the evidence you might have of achieving in the world, you still might feel like it wasn't your doing, that in somehow it was just a giant stroke of luck or a complete and utter fluke that you have ended up with the opportunities or in the situations you have. Classic imposter syndrome. The other part of imposter syndrome is that part of you thinks that everyone else totally knows what they're doing. 
Now, I'm going to talk about this in the next little bit, but I just want to say right now, it's a lie. The term imposter syndrome did come out of psychological research. It originated back in 1978 by two psychologists, Clance and Imes, and they used it in their research to talk about this confidence gap they noticed in especially women in their research back in the day. It's been picked up and it's used a lot now in kind of colloquial language or kind of self-help and professional development spaces and often isn't attributed right back to that psych research, but it did start there. It has kind of taken on a life of its own, I must admit. But who even gets it? Like I said, I've been there. I've had it. I still have moments of imposter syndrome at times, which I will let you in on towards the end of this podcast. But I want you to know that if you have felt like at times in your life you're a fraud and you're like a little bit like a fish out of water and have no idea what you're doing, that you are not alone. Some of the biggest names in Hollywood and politics and business have felt like imposters at times in their lives. I've got a couple of quotes that I pulled from the net that help bring this point to life. So a couple of people I really admire. One, Kate Winslet, has been quoted as saying, sometimes I wake up in the morning before going off to a shoot and think, I can't do this. I'm a fraud. I mean, if you've seen a movie with Kate Winslet in it, clearly not a fraud. She knows what she's doing. Another huge person I admire, the late Dr. Maya Angelou. I've written 11 books, but each time I think, "Uh uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everyone and they're going to find me out. Can you believe that? Someone as amazing as Maya Angelou had moments before releasing her books where she thought, they're going to find out that I have no idea how to write. Uh, Yep, didn't go down in history that way, did it? Clearly, she was talented. Emma Watson and Sheryl Sandberg have also been open about the struggles they have had at times with imposter syndrome. Those are two women I admire greatly for their persistence, drive and courage. But it's not like they were born full of confidence. They have their moments of self-doubt too. Now research back in the 1980s estimated that two out of every five people consider themselves frauds. Seriously, that's 40% of the population. 40% of the population are potentially walking around going, OMG, I don't know what I'm doing here. More recent stats have suggested that up to 70% of people have experienced imposter syndrome at some stage in their lives. Like I said, I can absolutely put my hand up in that bucket of people. I have had many moments where I felt like an imposter. Now, as I touched on a little bit earlier, the research has indicated that women are particularly skilled at buying into this imposter syndrome. Cue not helpful there, ladies. Let's let it go. Let it go. It's not that men don't suffer from it by any means, and I'm not sure if this is partly because men keep it closer to the chest or that they've really 
don't suffer from the syndrome as much. But women, don't let it hold you back. It's one of the downsides, which we're going to talk about in a second. Let it go. The type of people who tend to get imposter syndrome are often hard workers. They're the type of people that really put the effort in to get where they have got and often attribute their success to really working hard as opposed to being capable or anything special. They can also be quite socially savvy people. So people who are really good at relationships, they might have high levels of emotional intelligence and then they're likely to attribute their success to simply being good with people and connecting with the right people at the right time. I've noticed in my work as a coach and also experienced in my own life, I feel like imposter syndrome is particularly real for new graduates. I know that when I finished university and had my first real job, I felt like a complete and utter fake. I had no idea how to even work in an office and had massive self-doubt that I could produce what I thought was expected of me on a work front. But I did, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. Part of what kind of describes imposter syndrome is that people typically have this inability to really internalize and own their success. They feel like it was things that happened outside of them that contributed to that, not their effort, skill, or ability. It's those people who are often too hard on themselves. So why do we want to avoid it? What is imposter syndrome stopping us from doing? First of all, if the imposter syndrome gets out of hand, it's the type of thing that can stop us from developing the confidence we need to move forward and believe in ourselves. So if you have that aspiration to keep moving forward in your career or climbing a ladder in more of a traditional sense, or if you're outside of a traditional corporate market and you have your own business or are entrepreneurial in some way, it can really stop you from going after your dreams and believing that you're capable of achieving them. It's the type of thing that can show up and whisper that doubt in our ear that just keeps us stuck. Perhaps we won't ask for the raise. Perhaps we won't have the confidence to jump out to another company for a job that is bigger or has more responsibility. Perhaps we will never get that podcast off the ground because imposter syndrome tells us that we're not capable. Lack of self-confidence and self-doubt are major issues when it comes to dealing with imposter syndrome. The other side is that it can lead to high levels of stress and anxiety. So if we really can't marry our outside environment with what internally we feel that we are or are capable of, it can lead to high levels of kind of internal panic as we show up and try to get on with our lives and do what is expected of us. None of us want to feel like that. Oh my, my, if you've been there for a long period of time and it turns into chronic stress, it wreaks havoc on every part of yourself. 
So what can we do about imposter syndrome? This is the important stuff. So you know that there's a part of you that's doubting yourself. Then no, If you know there's a part of you that's kind of holding yourself back in some way, I have some ideas for you. And this is where I'm going to get a little personal and tell you about some of my experiences with imposter syndrome. Now, one of the first things I think you can do that is so powerful is to just label it. I hope this conversation has helped you do that. What you're experiencing, if you feel like a fraud at times, is imposter syndrome. It's a thing. You're not alone. Up to 70% of people experience this in some stage in their lives. When I found out about imposter syndrome, and admittedly, I don't think those were the words that were first used for me, but when I realized that other people had no idea what they were doing, and I looked to those people as amazing and capable and so incredibly smart and talented, I was relieved. Oh my, my, I was so relieved. So personal story, here I was straight out of university. To be honest, I started my first corporate job before I had even finished my master's. So I was halfway through my master's and I had this amazing opportunity. And I can remember just sitting there and being so wowed by the people I worked with. I was in a corporate consulting group of psychologists. So a number of my colleagues had PhDs in psychology. Some of the most incredibly smart people I've ever met in my life still to this day. They are an incredibly talented bunch of people. And here I am, this is my first job out of university. And I'm thinking, how did I get here? Like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. None. And, you know, six months went on. I did the work that was in front of me. And then I started getting some more responsibility. And I had a big project come across my desk that I needed to kind of design and lead, which was, in hindsight, the best thing that could have happened to me. Now, I had a mentor at the company who was one of the founders of the business. I was 25, 24 at this stage probably, and he would have only been in his early 30s, and he had started the business when he was about 25. And I can remember sitting with him and saying, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he looked me straight in the eye and said, no one does. You get on with it, you create it, you make it, and people will believe you. And I took from that, fake it till you make it. And I looked at him as a perfect example of starting this consulting business when he was in his mid-20s and how successful it had become. And his business was really perceived only six or seven years later as a thought leader in the space. And yet he'd opened up to me and told me that he'd started it not necessarily having any idea what he was doing, but that he backed himself to work out how to do it. He knew he had enough smarts that he could pull the resources and pull together a plan when it was required. So he backed himself, even though he didn't necessarily have all the pieces of the puzzle all lined up. So there's a couple of thoughts that reminds me of that have also got me through as I've continued to develop in my career. Here I am 10 years later. 
fake it till you make it. It's a little mantra that I've used and I know it's a giant cliche, but in those moments where I have been going into a meeting with senior executives or feeling completely out of my depth, it's a little thing that I've always said to myself, fake it. As long as I seem confident, they're going to believe me. As long as I'm confident that I know what I'm talking about, they will have faith in me. And over time, I've seen that to be true. The other quote that comes to mind, that if you wait to be ready, you'll be waiting your whole life. The people who achieve stuff, the entrepreneurs that you look up to, the executives that have got there, I promise you they didn't wait till they were ready. They took steps that made them feel uncomfortable. They took steps that put them out of their comfort zone and they stretched themselves. There would have been moments in their career where they felt like frauds. So the first point, label it, recognize you're not alone. It's imposter syndrome. Now, the second point is find someone that you can talk to about it. Like I said in my first example, I had this mentor who happened to also be my boss and a major hurdle to overcoming my own imposter syndrome as a grad was having a safe avenue to talk about it. When I realized that my idols and the people I looked up to had been in the exact same position that I was in, and to be honest, probably still were in a lot of situations, experiencing that feeling of being a fraud at times, I recognized that I wasn't alone and that made it so much less scary. I recognized that it was just a part of my growth. Now, who is a good person to open up to about this? Personally, I think a professional mentor or coach is a great bet. Now, this is some of the coaching I do. I do executive coaching as well as the life and business type stuff. So if you'd like someone who's more external to your world, I would totally recommend an external coach because it can be so powerful to have these kind of conversations in an open and safe environment where you feel like there's no ongoing repercussions. But if you do feel like you've got a professional mentor in your world that you're lucky enough to call on, they can also be a perfect person. Now, the benefit of talking about it is, as I mentioned before, it's so much less scary when you can have a conversation and realize that you're not alone. It makes it feel like it's no longer haunting you, for lack of a better way to put it. The next point is I want you to look for examples where people admit that they too have no idea what they are doing. Kate Winslet, perfect example, amazing actress who has admitted to feeling frequently like a fraud. There are so many more examples out there and some that can be really specific to your industry. And I would encourage you to go and seek out these examples. The Google Net is a wonderful resource. Just get typing. Because when you recognize that this is normal, it's not scary anymore. What I have found in my own experience and the things that have helped me overcome my imposter syndrome is, as I mentioned, the best people didn't know what they were doing when they started out. And often many of the best people will still tell you that they feel like they have no idea 
You find the path while you're walking it. You don't have to have it all laid out before you start going. I guess it's kind of like Finding Nemo. Just keep swimming, Dory. Just keep swimming. So with that, just keep swimming and that the path will appear. The next point is focus on action. Get out of your head and get doing. My perfect example of this, this podcast. Oh my, my. Did I feel like a fraud when I started this only six months ago? Yes. I'd never done a podcast before. If you really want to entertain yourself, you can go back and listen to my first few episodes, some of which I recorded literally three times before I released them. But rather than letting my imposter syndrome stop me from doing it, I decided to focus on action. What did I have to lose? I only had stuff to gain. I could have been a little embarrassed for sure. But other than that, the actual losses were worth the risk to me. And here I am six months later. Do I now feel like a fraud? Some days, but nowhere near as much. I know now that I can host a podcast. I've proven it to myself. So through action, I have now got evidence that I am capable of being a podcast host. And here I am doing it, just doing it, not thinking about it, just doing it. So how can you apply that to your own life? Where could you get out of your head and just get more into action mode? Going back to my earlier career, this was where it was also a real advantage to me to be working in a corporate environment. I couldn't get in my own way because other people were putting expectations on me that I just had to rise up to meet. Now, the downside to entrepreneurship is your imposter syndrome can really do a number on your head. It is where when you're in charge of what you put out into the world, you can hijack yourself. So I'm so grateful that I had a career in corporate before I came over to this side of the fence and started doing my own thing. I got a lot better at managing my feelings of imposter syndrome before I had to get out there and manage it all by myself. Another point I want to make is the fallacy of credentials. So my background, I have a few degrees. I have like a Bachelor of Mass Communications. I have a science degree in psychology. Then I have a master's degree in psychology. I also have a postgraduate diploma in business and administration, endorsed in management, and then a postgraduate diploma in industrial and organizational psychology with distinction. So I've got a few pieces of paper. Now I can list those all out, great, but I had this conversation with a coaching client a few weeks ago. Truth be told, all that education and what I share from you did not come from those degrees. It is not those degrees that made me capable of doing what I'm doing today. Do not believe that by getting a PhD, a master's degree, a bachelors, whatever it might be, don't suddenly think that will take away all of your feelings of being an imposter. 
it doesn't stop the imposter syndrome. Here I am with a whole heap of papers and I've still started this online coaching business with experience in executive coaching. I was a registered psychologist in New Zealand and still thought, oh my gosh, am I capable of this? The degrees did not give me some kind of vaccination against imposter syndrome. So I don't want you thinking that the way to get out of imposter syndrome is to get the MBA, to get the next degree, whatever it might be. Yeah, if there's more than just trying to avoid imposter syndrome to get out of it, by all means do it. I'm all about education. Clearly, I love it. But just don't think it is the solution to imposter syndrome. And if you're thinking about coaching, like I said to my client recently, don't be intimidated by people like me. She she mentioned she felt intimidated because I had a master's in psychology And it was a relief to be able to share with her that this business is not necessarily based on all of the knowledge I gained from my master's in psychology. For sure there's snippets. But if life coaching is what's pulling you in, do a life coaching accreditation. Don't go and study for eight years to hope that you can suddenly feel confident about what you're talking about if that feels like too big a hurdle when a life coaching qualification might take you a year or two. Now, more practical things that you can do immediately to start getting you over your imposter syndrome. Make a list of your wins. Now, what do I mean by wins? Your successes. Get a pen and paper out and write down everything that you've achieved. Because if we're prone to imposter syndrome... We're usually prone to being hard on ourselves and we tend to look at all of the things that haven't gone so well as evidence that we suck rather than focusing our attention on everything we have achieved. With my clients, I recommend that they take a monthly stock take of their accomplishments in the previous month. Now, this is great for your CV and keeping a record of what you've achieved, but it's also good for your confidence. It's about savoring those wins. It's about making sure you don't overlook all of your achievements. So make a monthly list of everything that you've accomplished and everything that you're proud of. The next one is keeping a compliment file. And I really need to do this. When I was putting together notes for this podcast, I was like, oh, I so need to do this. Because your compliments, your feedback, your reviews on this podcast I can't even tell you how much they mean to me. It's honestly the fuel that keeps me driving ahead and doing this work. And I need to savor that more because in those moments where I'm like, why am I doing this? Does anyone care? It's those compliments that make me think, oh, it is making a difference for someone. And I really should make a file of those because in those moments when that self-doubt is huge If you have your wins list and your compliment list, you can go back there and be regrounded. You can regroup and and look through a different lens at everything that you are doing. That leads really nicely into the next point, which is to stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about what you are contributing to someone else. So rather than thinking, oh my gosh, my podcast sounds terrible, people won't be able to understand my accent, my A's are awful. Honestly, I was at a Starbucks the other day and said my name was Amy because my full name is actually Amy Kate. 
And I see my name was Amy and she wrote down Amy, I-M-Y. And then I tried to explain it to the next lady and she still didn't understand me that my name started with an A. Seriously, I could let that hold me up to not even launching a podcast. So rather than focusing on that stuff, it's about thinking, even if I sound funny, could my podcast help somebody out there? So rather than being self-conscious, I can change my mindset and think, is the world a little bit better because I tried? And this is as true in corporate life as it is in entrepreneurship, as it is in being a friend, is holding myself back doing the world any good. If there is any doubt to that, please launch forward, push through that imposter syndrome and realize that even if you feel like you fall on your face, if you contributed something better to someone else's life, it was worth it. It was so worth it. So take the focus off yourself and put it onto someone else. Get out of your own head and think more about what you are contributing. I hope those ideas sit well with you. If you felt like a fraud before, know that you are not alone. Big numbers of us have felt it, feel it, know what it's like to feel like a fraud. Don't let yourself get stuck in that mindset. There are ways that you can pull yourself out of it. Specifically, talk to someone about it. Find a coach or a mentor that can help you refocus and overcome the fact that you're not as capable as those around you. Label it. Say, this is imposter syndrome. Perhaps like me, you'll find it useful to use some mantras or some quotes like, fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it and realize that other people are doing that too. Know that credentials aren't the be-all and end-all. Just because someone else has a PhD does not immediately make them amazing. Focus on your accomplishments, your achievements, and your wins. What are you proud of? If you're prone to being tough on yourself, don't overlook this stuff. Make a list right now. Grab a pen, make a list. What are you proud of? What have you accomplished and achieved? Stop thinking about yourself, get out of your own head, and start thinking about what you're contributing to the world. Wouldn't it have been sad if we lost contributions like those of Maya Angelou because she felt like a fraud? I'm going to leave you with that thought, and I'll be back next week talking about savoring. It's a really cool idea out of psych that I get really geeked up about. If you enjoyed this podcast... As I said in the podcast, your reviews, your thoughts, your kind words, they are my fuel. If you could take a moment to leave me one, it would mean the world to me. I know it's not the easiest thing to do in iTunes. If you're on a desktop, it's way easier to find the review tab. But on the podcast app, you just need to research the podcast here to thrive and click on its icon and you should see a review tab pop up there. It often takes a couple of days for the reviews to publish, so you may not see it immediately, but that doesn't mean it didn't go through. Thank you for your time.